All right, guys, so as Micah said, I'm James Albright. Um, I am the missions and life group pastor here at CF, and, uh, and that life group piece is new um, that as of July 20th this, this summer. Uh, we are thankful for Ben Moss, who has come in as college pastor. I don't know if you know this, brother, but you, well, I think you do, but you are an answer to prayer. We've been asking God for who is the longer term uh, college pastor here at CF, and, and God has provided, and we're so thankful so, um, and I'm excited about this next season as a life group pastor. Um, there's, you know, my life has been changed. Uh, God has changed my life through life groups, through community, missional community. And, uh, and so I'm excited about that, about ways that we can help to encourage that and grow that. And, um, and, and even, you know, I mean, this Read to Win programs, I mean, just ways that we can impact the community around us. You know, my heart is for, for the nations, but my heart is that, you know, who are we to go and plant churches overseas in all these different places, but we leave our own city left untouched? We need to be a blessing to this city as well as to the nations of the earth. All right, so there's something about mission that makes the community richer, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, is, you know, we're continuing on in this series, More in Everyday Life. And, and I don't know what I, I still didn't look. First service, I didn't look at it, but um, it, I think the title of my sermon is The Power of Biblical Community. But that's what we're going to be talking about today. More of God in everyday life in community, in the power of biblical community. So, you know, some of you guys in here have been around church for decades and some of you guys, this might be your very first time to step in these doors. And so no matter where we're at in this journey, we've all got some type of lens and some type of idea about what we think about when we think about church. And so what I want us to do, that just like anything else that's, that's good, we need fresh lenses sometimes to see better. And so, you know, I was thinking about with marriage, um, we, we go into marriage and we've got butterflies and googly feelings and all these things are happening there early in marriage and it's wonderful and we see real clearly, but then life begins to happen. We get busy, we get jobs, we get kids, whatever the thing is. And so our vision, if we let it, will start to be skewed a bit or maybe grow stale. And so we have a job where we need to, as a husband and wife, we need to keep coming back to the original vision, right? We need to do things like go on a date. We need to have a weekend away. We need to read a book together about marriage. We need to do things that will realign our vision. And just like that, as we're talking about life-giving community, today I feel like we need to realign. We need to get back to basics and realign to what God's saying. And one of the things that I've really been blessed with this, this last year more than ever, really, has been discovering and coming, realigning vision through the Word of God. And I've really been enjoying this. And so it, what it requires, though, is that we need to look at the Word with fresh eyes. And so we, as we're reading, as we're studying, we've we got to put on fresh lenses because some of those verses we've read a bunch before. We're in the Bible Belt, right? So we've, we've read some verses before, right? So today, my hope and objective is that we would see life and community in a fresh way, 
we'd have fresh vision today to see this. Okay, so why don't we pray together and uh, we need the Holy Spirit to be able to discover what the Lord's doing today. So Father, we invite You to have Your way in this church. We thank You that You are the head of the church. We thank You, Lord, that You are moving and working in our hearts even right now in ways that we don't even know. You are moving in this room. And we thank You for that, Lord. And I pray, God, right now that You would have Your way, You would get me out of the way, and You would do Your work in the church, Lord, today. May we see with fresh eyes what You were imagining, what You dreamt up when You, ima- when you created us and You made us for community. God, would You show us with fresh eyes what it is that You're saying in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alright, guys. So, my own story of beginning to walk in missional community was that in my college years, I really had an encounter with God and I began to, I completely surrendered myself to Him. It was my sophomore year of college and, uh, and I, um, you know, I grew up in an amazing home, loved Jesus, they're, they're an amazing family. And, but something, and it wasn't anybody that said this, or it, I just somehow I picked it up, that I felt like for some reason that God was quite distant and that if I just believed the right things about Him, then I would be, I would be accepted by Him. I had to believe the right things though and I would be, then I would be able to go to heaven. But He was quite distant. He wasn't very involved in my life. When it comes down to it, He wasn't actively working in my life. And one of the things that drew me in so much was that I realized God's on the move. So it was there in those college years when I fully surrendered because I realized He's on the move in my life. I sense His Holy Spirit doing stuff in me. And I see Him on the move in people around me. And I'm hearing stories of Him being on the move in the nations of the earth. And so, you know, how many of you guys came across the Transformations videos? You guys ever see those? We've got a few old folks. And um, so those from the late 90s and early 2000s, there are these documentary style videos that um, uh, would probably be humorous to us now, like music and stuff like that. But anyway, they, they, what they, they documented, this guy named George Otis Jr. would go through different nations or cities or places and he would say, um, you know, that had rumor of a revival or a transformation of some kind. And um, and so he'd go to these places and interview pastors and leaders and things like that and say, this is what happened, and this is how God began to move, and now this is the result of it. And he, like documentary style, it was awesome. And I remember watching those on my very first mission trip. I was in a YWAM base in Malaga, Spain, with a buddy of mine and Scott Wood, and we, a church planner, trainer guy, and I remember watching those going, I'm in. Sign me up. I am not going to miss out on this. God is on the move all around us, and I have been on the sidelines way too long. I want to be involved in what God's doing around the world, right here in my own world and around the world. He is on the move. He's not a distant God. He's on the move in my life and in our lives. And I was captured by that vision. I was amazed that He would love us that much. I was excited by the possibility of partnering with him. And what I, you know, what it came down to is that I really wanted authenticity. 
I was not living from a place of authenticity. I was partying on Saturday nights and going to church on Sunday morning. And I wasn't living from this place of reality and authenticity. And that's what I ultimately hungered for, was just for something to be real. I don't want to act like a Christian anymore. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to play church any longer. I've done the lukewarm thing, and I'm done with that. God's on the move in the world, and I am either going to be a part of that, or I'm out of the whole thing. And by God's grace, He drew me in. And you know, guys, that's, I would say that that's who we are as a church. We are a church that is hungry for reality. And I, I know many of your stories, and if I don't know your story, I would probably guess that there's something in there where you're going, I am, I'm hungry for more. I've experienced this and it's good, but I want more. Or I've experienced that and it's bad, and I want more of God. I want more. I want reality. I want authenticity. And so as we are now in this message, we are searching and looking to discover more of what God's doing through His biblical community, through missional communities. I want us to get back to basics like we were talking about, and let's open up the Word of God and look here now at what does the, what does the Word of God say about missional community? What does He say about church and who we are? So if you would, open up with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. So for some of you, it may be a familiar passage. For some of you, it may not. Again, I'm asking us for fresh lenses. Okay? So let's look at it fresh today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there's a few characteristics that I'm going to kind of draw out from that passage, things that would describe what the church looked like, activities that they were doing. So some of those things were they were devoted to the Word of God. So they were committed to listening to the Word and doing the Word. They were, there was prayer, prayer that changed things. Uh, there were people were sharing their possessions in sacrificial community. They were helping one another out. No one had a need. They were filled with awe at all the ways that the Holy Spirit was moving around them. I love that one. They met together daily. So they met together in the temple. So all together in a large assembly like this. And from house to house. Much like our life groups. There was salvation and there was favor that was happening all around them. So one of the things that I've been thinking about is that you know, other religious communities or other gatherings could have some of these same characteristics as well. Not all of them, but some of them. And, you know, so the Jewish community at the time, and when this was written, as they were, as the church was being birthed, 
there could, there could be, there was devotion to the Word. There was prayer. There was, maybe there was sharing of possession. There was giving of tithes and offerings. There was sharing of things. There was, uh, they were meeting together. And this could be true of really a lot of different gatherings. This could be true of a social club. This could be true of a fraternity or sorority on TCU's campus. This could be true of another religious community. So what was the difference maker? What was it in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, that stood out that made them different? What made them different? Could I get my needs met in a social club? Could I get my needs met in another gathering of some kind? Is that possible? What was the difference maker? Why did it seem that this community was alive, that it was growing so quickly? The answer is, it's Him. He poured out His Spirit on us. He poured out His Spirit, His life. His very life was living in these people. So in the very souls of these believers, in the soul of, this, of these life groups, of these small groups that met house to house, of the, in the soul of this church was the life of God. That was the difference maker that was the thing that caused, like, that caused the massive growth. That was the thing that caused things to look alive, as though it were alive and breathing. He is the difference maker. The very life of Jesus in the hearts and souls of believers, groups, and church. You see, He is the fuel that propels the church forward. It's His life. And there's a lot of different ways that we could have gone about this message a lot of different things that when we talk about biblical community, we could have chosen a lot of different angles. We could have talked about discipleship. We could have talked about devotion to the Word. We could have talked about a lot of different things. But what it comes down to, and what I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking loud and clear to me, was it's about me. It's about the life of God in the church. So if there's anything that I want you to walk away with, I want you to walk away with knowing and appreciating and cultivating a life and a group and a church that cultivates His life, that holds His life. So, you know, Jesus spoke about new wine for new wineskins. You, you put new wine into new wineskins, right? So that's sometimes a mysterious passage. But what we're talking about there is a wineskin is just a, it's just a structure. It's just a shell. It's something to hold something, right? A life group is just a structure. A church even. An organization. All these different things. We're just a structure. We are a structure. Our families are just a structure. But what we're really after is the wine. What it's really about is Him. He's the wine. He's the life in us. And that's what we're really after. So life groups, they're the wineskin that we've chosen. That we felt led to to lead the church into. And it's just a wineskin. There's other ways of doing it that are great. But this is the way that we have felt like God has led us to. But what it comes down to is we want to be a church and a community that holds the life of God in us. So we want to cultivate that. So the main thing this morning is that God wants to pour out His Spirit on us as we walk in life-giving community so that we can encounter Him, be transformed by Him, 
and bring others to Him. Let me read it one more time. God wants to pour out His Spirit on us as we walk in life-giving community so that we can encounter Him, be transformed by Him, and bring others to Him. Right. So I've got three points here. If you're an outline person, you're going to love it. We've got three points. In life groups, we, number one, we encounter the life of God. Now each one of these points that I'm going to say it is, ends with the life of God because again, I want that to be the central focus of what we're talking about today. It's all about Him. But in life groups, number one, we encounter the life of God. You know, one of my first life groups when I was in college, we would often gather together and have worship nights. We probably, you know, we were all in college in our 20s, so we had lots of time, you know. But we probably two times, maybe three times a month, we would gather up together and worship God. And it was an awesome time. And what it did was it was a, there was an atmosphere in there of deep hunger for more of God. And so we wanted, we, and we cultivated that by continuing to worship. And we, we had, it was just a safe place where we could practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We were new at all that stuff. And we, we, could, we could pray for one another and, and get a word for each other, encourage each other. And that was all, it was all good. It was a safe place to try all that out. And what was most important is that in those times, we fell deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. It really cultivated this love for Him the reality is, is we encountered Him in that place. We had a meeting with Him week after week. And we left different every time. And I'm still, I am marked by that season of my life. That six months or 12 months, whatever it was. And a lot of the people who are in that group, I still know, and they are, they are passionately following Jesus. I think there's something to be said about encountering Him. And this is a picture of what it looks like to encounter God in a life group. As we seek God together in intimate missional community, He will meet us there and pour out His Spirit. We will encounter Him and we will not be left the same. So anytime there's an encounter that happens, we're not left the same. We're always changed by that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, we just read it. There was a sense of awe among the community, among the church, because the Holy Spirit was moving in power. And so there was just this sense of like, wow, what's going to happen next? You know, just this excitement. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were brought before the Jewish high court, and, uh, and they were questioned and told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And so they went back to the church and reported what they had just been told about the persecution that they had just experienced and about the Word, that persecution would come if they continued to preach in the name of Jesus. And so the church began to cry out and pray for their city and their nation. And you see here in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. So what should have been a word that would cause them to shrink back and be, be more timid actually as they prayed and had an encounter with God, propelled them forward. Again, His life propelling the church forward. Now some of you guys are thinking, come on James, let's get real. That's not what my life group looks like. The last time my life group was shaken 
was when there were 20 kids there and they literally were doing circles during worship and they shook the pictures off the wall. Or, you know, you're just so irritated because you asked that person to bring the salty snack again and they forgot again. And you're just like, seriously? You know, this is what, this might be the shaken that happens in our life groups, huh? Anybody understand what I'm saying? But I want to encourage us this morning. God loves to meet us in the mundane, everyday, boredom, frustrating things of our life. He loves to meet us there. In fact, I started to do a little brainstorming of my own and just thinking, you know, when, what were some of the big moments in the Bible where men and women of God had this moment, this encounter with Him? And so I just started just my own little list. I'm sure you guys could think of others. Moses, while he was doing his job of shepherding the sheep, he ran into the burning bush, had this encounter with God. David, while he was doing his family chores, was out meeting with God while he was shepherding the sheep as well, writing the Psalms that we still read today. Peter, James, and John just went on a hike with Jesus. Jesus said, come on, let's go up a mountain. And then he got transfigured right in front of their eyes. Two disciples were taking a walk after Jesus had died on the way to Emmaus, and they just were disappointed and disheartened. And Jesus met them there in a powerful way in Luke 24. Paul, while he was on his way to persecute the church, he was on his way in sin. And God met him there in a powerful way. And the early church, in a simple little prayer meeting in the upper room, scared and afraid, and God met him powerfully. Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit fell. God wants to meet us, guys. He wants to meet us in our everyday, mundane thing, rhythms of life if we're looking for Him and if we're looking for that. Alright, so number one, in life groups we encounter the life of God. Number two, in life groups we are transformed by the life of God. We are transformed by the life of God. <clears throat> so our goal as followers of Jesus is to be more like Him. Alright, and as we treasure Him more, then we want to be more like Him because we see how beautiful and amazing He is. So this is kind of the way this walk all works out. But the reality is, is one of our greatest temptations is to think that we're growing, to think that we're looking more like Him, but in reality, we're actually not in a certain area of our life. But if we're not getting the input from others, then we can think, well, I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome, right? We have this awful propensity to hypocrisy. And Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Let me just read that real quick. He was rebuking the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time and giving them a strong warning. It's Matthew 23, verse 27. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Those are strong words that cut to the heart 
of the reality of many of, of all of us. We're all in that same boat where there are places in us where we want to, on the outside, make things look shiny and great so that everybody on the outside thinks that on the inside we're doing okay. But there's those tension spots where we're not doing okay. This is not the way of the kingdom. He made us to be in relationship. Just as He is in relationship, He made us in His own image to be in relationship with others. Jesus, sorry, we're going to read another passage. We're going to go back and read more of the same thing that I just did. So this is not the way of the kingdom. We cannot be delivered from our sin until we get real with one another and walk together towards freedom. Let me just say it again. We cannot be delivered from our sin until we get real with one another and walk together towards freedom. So let's get practical. What does it look like to be transformed by the life of God in our communities? Number one, it's risking vulnerability. Just a practical way. We have to risk being vulnerable. And that takes risk. Because it means I'm going to share something with you that I've not shared with somebody else. Or I'm going to share something with you, one of my weaknesses, in a place where I am broken in this spot. And so there's a a vulnerability there. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So healing is the result of our radical confession. Healing is the result of our radical confession. Freedom from the power of our sin is walked out through radical vulnerability. And in life groups, we have a safe place to do this. We have a safe place to to confess, to say, brother, I've messed up. I'm struggling in this. The second practical way that we can be transformed by the life of God in our life groups is by learning to love. Learning to love. So Drew Stedman, who's our U.S. church planning director down in Waco, part of our our, uh, Antioch movement of churches that we're a part of, he said Sunday services are an important opportunity to talk about the kingdom But without a place to live the kingdom, nothing will change. We need a place and an opportunity where we can live out the kingdom. Now, I I would love to sit down and have a deep conversation with every one of you today. But the reality is, there's too many lines of communication in this room for us to get very deep. We need to get down into smaller groups, and even smaller than that, into discipling relationships to be able to learn to love, to be able to walk out the one another's of the Bible. You know, I did a little bit of research on this. That phrase, the one, one another, so the one another's of the Bible, things like love one another, be, live at peace with one another, carry each other's burdens, those things, the one another verses are all throughout the New Testament. A hundred times that phrase is mentioned in 94 verses. 60% of those times, Paul wrote it. And so what does that mean? That means Paul, who did he write to? To the church. To us. He wrote to us. So this is a message to us. We need a way to learn how to love. The world teaches us another way to love. We need to learn the way of Jesus. So we can be transformed by Him, by His life in our communities. And third, so we've said first, in life groups we encounter the life of God. 
We are transformed by the life of God. And third, we share the life of God. We share the life of God. Okay, so early on, my, one of my first life groups uh, here at Christ Fellowship um, was uh, a group of 20-somethings. And there was a, uh, someone that we worked with, a buddy of mine and I worked together at uh, kind of a transitional job there at Razoo's. We were waiting tables. And, um, and Trish knows that other guy real well. Um, so uh, we were waiting tables together, and there was this, and we said, you know what, hey, let's, let's make this our mission field. Let's go for it. Let's just see if we can, you know, pray for people, share the gospel with people, see what happens. And so there was this one uh, girl, we're going to call her Katie, and she, um, we were reaching out to her and talking to her and things, and she she was somewhat interested in what we were talking about, but not really, and that's okay. We just you know, kept on being friends and inviting her to life group stuff. And, um, and one day, though, she calls me up. She never calls me, you know. So she called me up, and she's crying. And uh, which, you know, for a 25-year-old guy, is total kryptonite to have a, a, a girl crying on the other I was, you know, crippled by fear. And um, it still is, really. <laughs> and uh, can I get a witness on that one? And um, so she's crying, and I'm like, "What's going on, Katie?" And she says, "She said I busted my knee last night. I fell at at, at work, and um, and they had to take me to the ER. Something popped as I fell. I had to t- take me to the ER, and the, they did tests, and they 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 said I needed surgery." And they sent me to a, a surgical consult that I got to go to tomorrow. And she's like, if I don't work, my only job is waiting tables. If I can't walk, then I can't work. If I don't work, then I'm, then I'm, I'm not paying my bills. I'm in a mess. And she's crying. And, and I'm like, gosh, it's awful. And just something in me just said, hey, God can heal her. I went, um, so Katie, this might be weird to you. But um, I actually believe that God still does stuff today, that He's active and He heals people sometimes. And, and um, would you mind if you, know, you came over and we got the life group together, we'd pray for you. And she goes, oh, that'd be amazing. So she comes over. And so we gather around her and we're kind of explaining to her so it's not too weird. We're like, okay, so this is what, you're gonna, what we're going to do. You know, this is some biblical stuff. Why God heals, you know, all that kind of stuff. We said, okay, so we're just going to put our hands on you. And we're going to pray that God would touch your knee. And so we did that. About five minutes into the prayer, she's just she's weeping. And we're like, what's going on? And she said, I'm, I am, uh, I've never experienced this love before. I don't know what it is. My heart is burning. And I need, to, what is this? What is this that you guys are talking about? And so we'd shared with her before, but we shared with her again the gospel and said, this is what it's all about. And she gave her life to Jesus right there in our living room. And we were so excited. We're high-fiving. Woo! You know, everybody, everybody's excited. But her knee was still busted. And, but it, her knee wasn't better. So we're like, well, okay, she got her heart healed tonight, but her knees needs to be healed still. So, we're, um, so she goes home. We're like, okay, God, just do your work. In the morning, she wakes up, and you know, she's got this consult with the doctor there that, that morning. She gets out of bed, and stands up and kind of gingerly walking, and she, she, something starts popping and snapping in her knee. And she's kind of doing this, and, it's, and she's better. She's going, 
it's better. No way. And she's recounting the story to me. And she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe what was going on. And she didn't want to call or anything yet because she wanted to find out, is this for real? Because she had this doctor's appointment. So she heads on to the doctor's appointment. And they do the, the, the testing, all the different things. All the doctors in here are like, that's not how it works. You know? But I, whatever they do, they did that to her. And, um, and, they, said, and, uh, and they said, you know, um, at the, the ER, the report says that you needed surgery. And, I, and today, you don't need surgery. Your knee's fine. And she's like, God did it. I can't believe it. God did it. You know, she's just going crazy. And she gives us a call right away. And we, we just, you know, let the life group know. And we're like, no way. God did it. He healed her. And she began to walk with us in life group, walk in discipling relationships. It's an awesome deal. Her life was never the same. And you know, this is, I know this is a more dramatic story, but this is a picture of biblical community a tight-knit group of people who loved one another deeply, doing the one another's, allowing God to transform their hearts from the inside out on mission. Just, doing, just through the everyday relationships of life. We weren't doing anything special. We weren't going around beating her with a Bible. We were just sharing with her who we are. This is who we are. And so because of that, she, I was the first call for her to make. Because of that. Because of that influence on her. And so then gathering the group around her, praying for and seeing God come through. It's an awesome deal. You know, biblical community is a place to love one another deeply, and it is a place to share that love with the world around us. It's not one or the other. You know, there's this debate that has gone on in the past of should our small groups be missional? Should our small groups be community only? Should they be one or the other? And I just want to say yes. Yes. They need to be missional community. They need to be deeply knit together, doing the one another's of the Bible, learning to love and allowing God to transform our hearts from the inside out. And that love that we have in that place is so contagious and so beautiful to the world around us. John 35 says, John, thir- <laughs> John 35, did you guys know that there are 35 chapters? John 13, 35 says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. This is why you hear us talking about multiplication in our life groups. It's because the life that we have in us is beautiful and the world is hungry for it. And so we want to, as a group, we want to multiply so that there's more of these groups around that can contain more of His life in our city, in our nation, and in the nations. You know, one of the cool things about this bridge team is that two of them had been in life group together. So they're, they're Daniel and Ashley and, and, uh, and David and Cassie had been in life group together. And so here they are. They'd done life together here. And they're going, well, maybe God wants us to do life together here. And just doing the one another's, but just doing it in another place. So we multiply the life of God in us as individuals, as life groups, as churches. That's why we're a church planting church because we believe that there's life in us. This is a wineskin holding the life of God. And there's life in us and we want to multiply that life out and as a movement. So guys, if, won't you stand with me? We want to respond to the Lord and what He's doing in us this morning. So there's, there's good news in all of this. 
the good news is that one, that we're all in the same boat together. We all have these deep needs for community. We all have these deep needs to be encountered by the life of God, to, to be transformed by the life of God, and to live that out in the world around us. We all have this need. And the other good news is that He wants to do it. He's with us, and He wants to do this. He wants to encounter us. He wants to transform us. He is with us. So if you would, guys, just, just bow your heads, close your eyes. We want to just take a moment to just listen to Him and to hear what He's saying. So let's ask Him some questions. I believe that He loves to speak to us. You can just ask Him things like, Father, what are You doing in my heart right now? Father, how do You want me to respond? So wherever you're at in this journey, I want to challenge us to take a next step. What is that next step that He's asking you to do? You know, if you're you've never if you've not started your relationship with Jesus, that might be your next step here today. If you're hearing us talk about the life of God and being in relationship with God in this kind of way and you're you're saying, I don't understand, but I think I want that, then I, I want to just say that He loves you and He's with you. And He knows where you're at right now. Wherever you're at in your life, He knows where you are. So just a way to respond, if that's you, is to just come on forward and to get some prayer from our prayer team down here at the front. And just share with them right where you're at. And if you've already begun your walk with Jesus, but you're saying, I need a deeper revelation of His community, of His life, of His church. I need to know Him more. I need to take this next step of going deeper in community. Or maybe it's that I need to, be, I need to take the risk of being vulnerable and, and confessing a weakness, a sin, and allowing that healing to come to you that we talked about. I'd encourage you as well to come on down to the front. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank You that You are at work in our hearts. And that You, God, it is You that propels us forward. God, it is You that, that moves the church forward. God, it is You in our life that that gives us life and meaning and purpose. And I thank You for that this morning. God, You are precious to us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, You would move about this room and do Your work. Whatever You would like to do, we ask You that You would do it. You'd have Your way in us. It's in Your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.